know you got to sing along. Don't you know? This is the Cabinets HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Cabinets. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech startups in HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinets HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Guest today is Caleb King. Caleb, are you ready to be great today? Let's do it. Caleb is a, is a software developer and entrepreneur who's currently pursuing his doctorate in cybersecurity. Caleb has a passion for technology and is constantly trying to expand his technical skill set. Caleb is also host of the People in Tech podcast, where he talks about tech and other things dealing with tech. Caleb, thank you very much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. I'm excited for this one. It's my first live stream, so hopefully it's a good one. Yes, exactly. So what's keeping you busy? You have a lot on your plate. You're doing a lot of great things. Yeah, uh, so I work full-time. Uh, I work at a great company. And on the side, like you mentioned, I do the People in Tech podcast, so that keeps me busy trying to find interviews and guests and this researching thing going on in the tech industry. Uh, and then I work with my one partner, um, trying to do some side projects, uh, working on a project right now called Mixbotics, which is going to be a mixing, uh, machine. That way, uh, if you go to a wedding or something like that, instead of hiring a whole bunch of bartenders, you just get this machine and you order from the machine and it makes a perfectly mixed drink, non-alcoholic or alcoholic, whatever you prefer. So those are the things keeping me busy. So with tech, it's like, People can get outdated so easily with tech. Like you, you're up up to date, like today and tomorrow, you're like you're out of date. As a tech person, how do people? I mean, it's it like it's almost impossible to keep up your skill set. Yeah, good, very good point, Jason. Uh, my advice for anybody is you're going to be it's constantly learning. So when I started, I felt like I knew nothing, and then that feeling really never never goes away. It just gets a little bit smaller. So year after year, uh, you just have to keep. Uh, up to date with current events, what's happening, you know, back in the 2000s, it was all about websites that were 2019, looking at mobile and now moving into AR and VR. So you just got to stay up to date with the trends and keep studying, keep learning. So with so many coding languages out there, like, how, uh, you know, you, you graduate from Code Academy or get your degree. How do you pick? You no, know, I'm going to focus on Python or React or whatever the case would be. I mean, how do you, how does some, how do you recommend someone to do that? Cause you can't pick all of them, right? Right. No, d- uh, definitely a good point. So what I like to, tell people like figure out like what's your focus what are you trying to accomplish if you're trying to land a job at a enterprise company probably go learn java javascript because most companies use them if you are trying to do artificial intelligence you might want to look at python in that case if you are trying to do like a prototype for pitching to a vc you might want to look on ruby on rails so uh, a lot of the information is out there you just need to figure out what your goal is if you want to get a job go that way if you want to do something different try to figure out the technology to help you get to that goal so i know in the Seattle area it seems like like if you're like i've been a developer like you're a senior developer or been in the game so six, six years you much like you go job to job you know switch where you want to it's pretty easy to find a job but if you're brand new, you know, less than two years, just graduated, it's like they're having a hard time to find a job because most jobs, at least in Seattle, they'll say entry level, but two or three years experience. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell the new developers, they're expecting you to like either, you know, like have a portfolio or GitHub or some kind of project, right? What would you recommend new developers do to overcome this? So what I like to recommend is some of those uh, new people trying to get into tech is, again, having a portfolio, but let's think about what you want in that portfolio. For me, it's all about being impressive to these recruiters and what makes you stand out. So, of course, you want to have a good LinkedIn. Uh, you want to make sure you have those keywords, JavaScript, Java, Git, all those things on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, in your portfolio, you should have like jasoncanvas.com, calebkeen.com. If you don't have that, then, you know, you give me a piece of paper. More impressive is show me a website. If you have a mobile app and you're like, look, I got a mobile app and I have 10,000 downloads or, you know, I'm making money off of it. That's really going to separate you. And that's like actual experience. A lot of people come out of college really looking for just an employer to give them a job, but it's like, you got to go get it. Do you have an opinion on coding academies versus college degrees as far as coding or software developers? Um, you know, it's a very interesting topic because I would say college is fine if the return on investment makes sense. So I wouldn't ever tell somebody go to college and get in a huge amount of debt and then go get a job. 
Whereas in some people going to a code academy or uh, boot camp makes more sense because it's a little bit cheaper and it's more focused on their career. Um, you can be successful in both is what I've seen. Uh, I just want to highlight going to a boot camp is not going to land you the six figure job that they promise you. Going to college and getting a four year degree is not going to land you that six figure job. Again, you have to, you know, put in the work and try to separate yourself from your peers. As, as I said before, Caleb also has his own podcast, a people and tech podcast, which is, I really like his format, what he does on there. He recently had a podcast talking about the t- top tech skills in 2019. And I emailed him, Hey, let's do a deep dive on these skills. And he agreed to do it. So he's going to go through a few of them. First one on your list is cloud computing. Why is that on your skills list? So uh, you mentioned it earlier, you know, staying up with trends, right? So back in the day, you used to, have, you used to buy a physical server and you have to have somebody set up a server and make sure the room is cool. You know, that was a whole bunch of work. Nowadays, Amazon, Google, DigitalOcean, Microsoft, they have these platforms, which is known as cloud computing. And they allow people who are doing anything tech, WordPress sites, websites, mobile app, IoT, whatever the list is, they have an infrastructure where you just hit a button and it's set up for you. So if you're a business person, you're not that technical, I would highly recommend looking into cloud computing because it helps you scale faster. Uh, and these are done by people who are professionals. Amazon being one of the top companies in the world, Google being the number one search engine, they have their tech down. So using cloud computing can help you with your idea or business. Understanding cloud computing is a very valuable skill because a lot of organizations are trying to move to the cloud. And that's a huge initiative. It took Netflix eight to nine years to go from physical data centers and servers all the way up to AWS 100% in the cloud. So the work is out there. So there's uh, so Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud Platform, Microsoft for sure. I think Oracle has one. What other ones are out there? Uh, I like DigitalOcean. That's a very popular one. Uh, you're going to hear people still talk about Heroku. But my, my go-to, at least lately, has been AWS and Google Cloud Platform. The next one is artificial intelligence. For this, we're talking about like Siri and stuff like that. Or is this something different? Uh, it can involve Siri, um, but it can go beyond that. So I actually just uh, interviewed a guy, Neil Sohota, who uh, worked in the IBM Watson project. And the way he likes to sum up artificial intelligence is a tool helping humans move on to the next thing. So instead of a doctor spending time with a patient with a common cold, they want to spend time, you know, trying to address cancer, finding a cure for cancer, mm-hmm. using AI to kind of take care of the, the, the little things, quote unquote. Um, to expand those skills uh, from a programming language, there's a lot of artificial intelligence libraries out there. And it can, it can range from a whole bunch of stuff, Jason. You can be talking about chatbots that are a little bit smarter. You can talk about like Google, um, where you can make an appointment at a hair salon and it's artificial intelligence being able to figure out keywords that the person is saying to help schedule that appointment. So the spectrum is endless. And for those who just joined the live stream, we're talking to Caleb King, host of the People in Tech podcast. And right now we're going over the top tech skills for 2019. Caleb, next on your list is analytical reasoning, which I, to me would be, you know, okay, engineering, you pretty much have to have analytical reasoning, right? I mean, I, I hope so anyway. Right. Uh, yeah, so analytical reasoning. So for me, I have a lot of friends who have a lot of great ideas. And I, being an engineer, I'm a numbers person. So I'm never going to tell you you have a bad idea, but if you can show me the numbers, if you can have data behind your decisions, then it's going to be a lot easier to get people behind you. Getting those numbers is a skill in itself. A lot of people will come to you. I'm sure they come to you too, Jason. Like, hey, I have this awesome idea. I want to do it. I was like, well, how, how do I know it's going to make me money? How do we know it's going to work? I'm going to need some analytical reasoning to come to that decision. So a couple items of this might take people by surprise because it's not really tech related. So the next one is people management, you know, and I, I totally agree with this one because well, I don't care what you do. You got to be able to manage people. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Jason. Um, I, I always like to look at like technology is a tool to help solve people problems. And again, you said it yourself, we're working with people. Uh, if you make an app, no matter how awesome your app is, you're probably going to need some customer service, which means people are calling in and you have to have people skills to help address their issues and make sure they leave a satisfied customer. So when it comes to people management, understanding that you want to build people up, you don't want to boss people around. Um, when you hire smart people, you know, the cliche saying, let smart people be smart and get out their way. Uh, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people in tech are... Um, they kind of have this uh, ego to them where they feel they know everything and no one can help them. But the reality is you need a team to get somewhere really far. 
Yes. And, you know, and unfortunately, there's a stereotype out there. Most developers have the stereotype, you know, put them in the corner. They don't talk to anyone. They code for 20 hours a day. They build a product. And, and definitely, I think that that's not the way to go, is it? Yeah, definitely not. Uh, that was probably back in like Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs days. That was kind of like what you said, like that perception. But nowadays, uh, developers are the uh, the millennials, the kids on their iPhones, but uh, they have been on a computer their whole life. Like I got a nephew who's playing an iPad now and he's three years old. He'll probably be more technical than me by the time he's 25 or whatever it is. Exactly. Next on the list is UX design. And I, I sometimes think that people don't realize how important design is to any product. I mean, you see design everywhere. Even in your living room, you know, the cars, I mean, everything has is a design to it. But you see all the drips out there and like you just tell there's no thought put into it all as far as design and the user experience. Yeah, user experience is very, very important, especially because at that point you're interacting with your customer and you're interacting with your clients. So you like a first impression, you want to make a good first impression. Um, same thing goes with websites and apps. Like you and me have probably gone to a website in 2019 that looked like it was built in 2008. That alone, like I already don't trust the site. I don't think they have a good understanding of technology. I don't even want to give them a credit card because I don't want to feel their websites up to par. So all that can stem from poor UX. Having good UX, uh, I always like to think of the app Robinhood. Robinhood makes it super easy to buy and trade stocks. And it's as simple as hit button, swipe up. Here are some glitters and some banners and some celebration gifts going on in the background like that all goes into user experience and the better user experience you have the more engagement you have the more followers you gain and things of that nature so next on this is mobile application development but before we get on talk about one thing and i so i did a start like two years ago and i thought you know i thought if you coded like everything i'd done right at the same time can you kind of explain how you got to do like one one thing for mobile development one thing for ios like there's all the different items you got to do it's just like, like it's not like this you Type stuff in it automatically appears, right? You got to do different things for different areas, correct? Right. I think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, no, very good point. So, yeah, I was trying to break it down here. So, when it comes to mobile development, there's what's known as native development. So, that is using Apple's programming language known as Swift or using uh, Android's programming language, which is Java, also uh, moving into Kotlin. And the reason you go with native is one is built for that operating system, it's built for the iPhone, for example, and you'll get better performance. But that means it's only for the iPhone. So if you build an awesome app using Swift, you're going to have to rebuild the same app in Android. And there might be some features you don't have in Android like you do an iPhone or vice versa. Uh, nowadays, they have um, cross-platform tools. So React Native and Google Flutter, where it's all written in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. They have this framework, a library, that takes some of that code and kind of makes it mobile compatible for all platforms. The one issue with that is going back to what I said earlier, might be a lack and might be a slight dip in performance. Now, the, these tools are getting better and you're seeing more people use them because you write the code once and it works everywhere. But of course, like anything, there's pros and cons. When somebody starts a company, would you recommend they do the website first, the mobile app first, the iOS first, Android first, or it just doesn't matter what they do first? I think it depends on what your company and what you're trying to do. I actually have a buddy right now. He has a pretty cool idea, but, uh, it's funny because for him, I would say like, oh, you probably want to get word of mouth out. So I always like to recommend for anybody doing any product or service or app is have a coming soon page. Uh, you'd be surprised as you build the, whatever it is you're building, whether it's app or an IoT device or whatever, having a coming soon page where maybe have like a quick one, two, three, this is what I'm building. This is the roadmap. This is what it's going to do. This is all the problems it's going to solve. And use that coming soon page to capture emails to get people who are like your true supporters. They're like, I would love to buy that. Please let me know when it comes out. That would be my recommendation for anybody. I think that's exactly what Dropbox did, if I remember correctly. I think they had they actually like 10,000 people signed up for even like created anything. I, I, I want to say it was Dropbox that did that. Yeah, and it's, a, it's a very popular uh, technique, mainly because to make a landing page like that, which is uh, one of my consulting services that I help a lot of people out with, is that probably takes two to five days to build. But that can get you 50 to 100 to even 1,000 potential users that you can sell to down the road. So next one, is, to me, is pretty interesting. Uh, video production. Yeah, video production, definitely a top skill in 2019. I mean, we're doing a live stream right now. People are seeing this video, so shout out to everybody watching. Uh, I watch YouTube all the time. And one of my goals for the People on Tech podcast is to transition and start doing more YouTube content. 
However, not everybody can do video production. When you see somebody like MKBHD on YouTube has high quality video, that took him time and he had to hone that skill to make phenomenal videos. And then it comes into learning software, Final Cut Pro, Adobe After Effects, Camtasia, and then the list goes on and on. So those are valuable skills to have. So next one is another skill on here that most people might not think should be on here, a sales leadership. And I, and I think what you were saying is like, you have the best product in the world, but you know how to sell it. You just wasted all your time building that product, correct? Yep. And yeah, you, you're spot on. Um, that's the one thing, which is like why Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs was like such an amazing duo. Wozniak being so technical, knowing how to figure things out and build them. But Jobs is the one who was going to the stores and pitching them and making a deal. So you definitely need both. But yeah, sales leadership, sales is always going to be important because if you're trying to put something, some product in a customer's hands, you want to have a good, strong sales pitch. And if you have a great product, it's easier to make that pitch. So Caleb, let's take a break from this list real fast and talk about your own podcast, the um, People in Tech podcast. Sure. Can you tell what, what you've gained from this? Uh, so it's crazy, Jason. Um, I started the People in Tech podcast and you know, you were very helpful when I started as well. Um, you know, I, I always had friends coming up to me asking tech questions. I even had a job where I was like a entry level IT person, had a coworker come up to me and they were like, Hey, here's my digital watch. And I was like, what do you want me to do with this? And she was like, fix it. You're the tech person. And I was like, what? That's not my job. I did fix it. But it just kind of blew my mind that I realized a lot of people were coming to me for their tech related stuff. Uh, which is why I created the people in tech podcast. I enjoy talking. Uh, I enjoy education. I feel like I want to be different because a lot of the tech stuff that I follow is very lecture based and can be boring and put people to sleep. And, you know, I want it to be something that was a little bit more, um, culturally sensitive, um, uh, culturally aware, uh, entertaining in the sense that I want to instill my personality, but also have all my listeners walk away each episode learning something. New. And can you actually have your DJ, uh, do the intro correct each time, correct? Yeah. So I have my, my man DJ side hustle. Uh, he's a part-time employee in the People in Tech podcast. And yeah, he was just one of those people where he was like, Hey man, like, you know, and he does DJing on the side. So it's not like a, it, like he's not full time on my team or anything, but I was like, Hey, I want to do a podcast. Can you help me make an intro? And I was like, Hey, every once in a while, can you help me do like, you know, a quick, tra- quick transition or something like that? And he's like, yeah, man, I can help you. So he's been helpful too. And he does a different mix every episode, correct? He tries to, if I get him in, then if he has the time, he'll definitely do it. Okay. And your pocket is on Anchor. I know, I know you're a big fan of Anchor, right? Yeah, huge fan of Anchor. Um, mainly because for me, it was very intimidating starting a podcast because you think equipment, kind of like you were saying, like, how do you start an idea? How do you start a business? Where do you start? Um, for me, it was like, oh, do I have the equipment? How do I do hosting? And oh, show notes and people do YouTube. And how do I get an Apple podcast? And uh, actually, my buddy told me, Gary V was like, if you should be making content, download this app. Anchor on your iPhone and start a podcast. And I literally saw that and I was like, let me try it. So what we like suppose suppose someone's out there and say, man, I want to do a podcast, but I'm scared. I don't have a good talking voice, blah, 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 all the different excuses. What would you tell those people? Uh, I would say uh, take the leap. Um, if it makes them feel any better, my first episode was seven minutes and I re-recorded that about 15 times. Yeah, and, about the same here. Yeah, yeah, and it's crazy because like you never like one. You're kind of like, man, is that what I sound like, and you know, if you're doing video, is that what I look like? What am I looking at? But you know, uh, my recommendation, to anybody, like, find what you want to talk about, find something you're passionate about, and then just hit record and you know, put out one episode. And the more you do, you're going to get better. I mean, anything you do in life, the first few times, you're probably not going to be good at it. So the first six months of my podcast, I mean, I was interviewing friends. Does not get better at interviewing? I was asking coworkers, like, hey, man, can you be on my show? I'm trying to get better at this thing. And you'd be surprised. Uh, your friends and family will support you and something like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, people ask me all the time, how do you get people on your podcast? I like, I ask, you know, like, I ask. Of course, 50% say no, of course, but 50% said yes. Yeah. You've, you've had the same experience, right? Yeah, um, like I said, for me, I started off with uh, close friends. Um, and my recommendation, let's say, like you podcast for three to six months, uh, I would write down a list of like, and I put it in three levels, kind of like the, I can probably ask like my, my in laws and, you know, my neighbor, hey, we'd be on my show. Then you have like the next level, like, oh, this person is very popular in my city, or maybe he's like some 
other podcast hosts. Maybe I can get them on my show. And then you have like the only eventually interview like Elon Musk and Bill yeah. Bill, like Gary V. You know. Yeah, all those guys. But you know, you got to build up to that. So yeah. But yeah, you'd be surprised. Like you ask anybody to be like, oh, I'll be on your show. What do you want to talk about? I'm mean, just good. Let's just have a conversation. People love to talk. So it's very easy to do. And to me, it's so surprising to me. Like people reach out on LinkedIn or whatever, say, "I like your podcast." Some some random state of Vermont, like, "Who are you?" And like, "Are you really listening to this?" You know, and like, and you and you kind of like you know position yourself as a subject matter expert. You know, yeah. You have a podcast. You must know what you're talking about, right? Definitely. And like a lot of times for me, like for the episodes that I do my research on, and it's only me. That's like me kind of treating it like a presentation in college or high school. Where it's like I got to do the research, you got to put together the PowerPoint, and I got to give the presentation. Uh, interviewing people, uh, it's really just have that curiosity. It's like, yeah, how do you do what you do? How do you start your podcast? How do you make a million dollars? How do you do whatever it is that got you on the show? I'm very interested. And as long as you're genuine, your listeners are going to enjoy that. Yes. So, what are some podcasts that you follow? So, some of my, now I'm a big sports guy, Jason. So, my favorite podcast is uh, Jalen and Jacoby. Uh, okay, I, I didn't know they had a podcast. I got to follow that. I like, I watch the show when I can. Yeah, see, so I, I was a fan before they had the show. And so it was kind of, and so that's a perfect example where it's like, man, like I remember just Jalen, Jacoby in a little warehouse, and now they moved up to ESPN and all that good stuff. Uh, I love software engineering radio if I want to be a little bit more technical, uh, like JavaScript drivers. Uh, I love Shaquille O'Neal's uh, big, big podcast with Shaq. And that was different because even though he's a basketball star, he kind of just talks about what's going on in the world. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm constantly listening to podcasts. You know, I listen to yours, of course, um, trying to support the community. I try to go on Anchor and see if I can support some of those people out there. So a lot of good stuff. So Caleb, for people who know you, they know that you're probably Apple's number one guy. I am a huge Apple fan. Uh, my wife, I'm trying to get her to convert. We almost got it. She's on the Pixel. I'm trying to get her on the iPhone. But yeah, I've just been a big Apple fan. Um, I pretty much jumped on the bandwagon, let's say 2013, 14. I got my first MacBook Air. And then I got my first MacBook Pro at a job. And then I really just love it because of the ecosystem. Once I got a MacBook, an iPhone, an Apple Watch, it all just works together. And when I hear other people talk about, yeah, it's like I have a better feature with my Samsung camera or, you know, my, uh, Chromebook can do this. I'm like, I'm not saying it doesn't do that. I just like the fact that mine all works together regardless. Yes, but like you said on one episode you did, that's good, but it's bad because once they have you, you know, you're probably not going to leave. Yep. Uh, and actually, I did an episode talking about the Apple card. So I'm not interested in the Apple credit card. And a few reasons why is um, one, getting a card, it doesn't have that many great uh, financial benefits in terms of a credit card, right? Um, two, the fact that I've, they've actually come out with a report saying, like, if you got the Apple credit card, love the card, but then switch to a Google Pixel or Samsung or whatever, you can't use Apple credit card. And that's when I was like, oh, man, that's kind of crazy. Like, they got to draw the line somewhere. Yes, exactly. So I think September, they do their annual release. Do you expect anything, like, really, you know, hyped up or about it? Or just be like the rest of the, the recent ones that's made minor, minor technical changes in the phones and other products they release? Good question. So uh, what I'm expecting based off um, my quote-unquote insider resources is uh, an iPhone 11, but it's probably just going to be a camera upgrade, uh, which I think they're going to go with like a three, um, three camera head um, iPhone 11. I think they might come out with a refresh Apple Watch. Uh, I think if they do release anything that's going to be major, I've been hearing rumors that they're going to do something with the MacBook Pro. A lot of people have been very upset with the keyboard on the MacBook Pro. They're going to go to a new keyboard and probably be a little bit more developer and content creator focus. I think a lot of people, when they came out with the recent version of the MacBook Pro, they were like, who is this computer for? Because it's not for photographers. It's not for people doing video production. Like, yeah, it's a powerful computer, but who is this really for? So that's what I've been hearing. Um, but yeah, from the iPhone, I'm getting a little disappointed in the iPhone because now that it's kind of a recipe company, they're just enhancing little features here and there. Uh, it's probably going to be a better user experience, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a, one of their better keynotes if I had to make a prediction. And I think some people have been talking about Apple is really like a service company now versus a product because now like, they have Apple TV, you know, all, all that stuff going on versus improving the products. What's your take on that? You know, you can really tell Steve Jobs isn't there anymore. I mean, Tim Cook is doing his best, but... You know, there was a time where, you know, Steve Jobs would go on stage and pull out an iPod and you're like, what is that? Pull out an iPad, change the whole 
Andrew Tweedy changed the whole game. Now we're coming on on stage and we're like, hey, we have a better iPhone. And the next year we have a slightly better iPhone again. And it's like, oh, we are fixing our computers, which not a lot of people are buying anymore. So it's funny because if you look at like Microsoft and Google, they're trying to be a little bit more creative. So I feel like the tables have turned back in the day. You know, IBM was kind of like the the big, big company that always is the same thing. And Apple was a one taking rest. Now it seems like it's reversed. So, Killer, back to your podcast. What is your goal to your podcast? What are you trying to accomplish? Good question. So, really, my goal is to um, help people understand common tech topics, events, or and this overall for me, my goal personally has always been known to be the tech guy. But I also understand I'm never going to be a subject matter expert in everything. So, I want to be the bridge between somebody who's extremely technical and somebody who's not as technical. So that's my ultimate goal is to make sure, because we're, we're living in an evolving world where tech is becoming more and more prominent in our ed- everyday lives. And a lot of those people are intimidated by that. And I don't think they should be if you can break it down in a way that makes sense to them. So, Caleb, ne- next subject. In, in tech, there's a lot of, you know, words about diversity. You know, it's, it's based on white man, dominant, dominant industry, and obviously you're not a white person. What advice do you have for diverse candidates trying to break in who like feel the odds are stacked against them or feel there's no way to get a job because they're not white? Uh, good question. Uh, my advice is be relentless. Don't let anybody stop you. Um, my mentality has always been, I see one man or woman do it. There's no reason I can't do it. And sometimes being the first, it's very, very hard. But if you feel like you're up for the challenge, go, on, go ahead, take it and don't let anybody stop you. So, of course, cities like Seattle, Denver, Austin, San Francisco are like known as tech hubs, so to speak. All the software, like here in Seattle, there's Amazon, Microsoft, Expedia, different companies. Let's say so someone's graduating from, we'll say, Kansas State out of Raleigh, Kansas, out of uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Would you recommend they go move to one of these tech hubs or would you say they can get a job anywhere and just work remotely or how do they go about that? Uh, good question. So, I guess I would go back to like what their goal is. So, if you see yourself, Working at a company, you want the benefits, you want the nine to five life, then highly recommend trying to get to one of those tech companies. Um, but of course, you know, like Amazon, for example, if you're good, if you got the technical skills, if you know how to code, you know how to do all that good stuff, they're interview you and then they're paid to move you out. You know, so that's the awesome thing about something, uh, some like a company like Amazon. Uh, but in 2019, going to 2020, you don't need to move. Um, there's so many online entrepreneurs and talking about the tech skills we mentioned, there's a lot of people who need help. Um, we're talking about Shopify, e-commerce, uh, everything we mentioned today. And if you have those skills, there's no reason you can't go on Upwork and Freelancer and Fiverr, or maybe even just start your own consulting, your own podcast, your own YouTube and start making money at home without having to go anywhere. Another good side is, uh, have you heard of AngelList? Oh, uh, yes. AngelList is a very good one. So, yeah, there, there's plenty of resources. So, uh, I think the days where it's like you have to go um, move to New York or LA to be somebody. I mean, there's still some benefits of being in those cities. Don't get me wrong, but you could definitely do without it. So, next, going back to the tech skills, next one is translation. And by that mean, I'm guessing, do you mean like translating tech skills to tech skills? You're talking about delivery translation of languages. Combination of both. So one of the things, like I'm jealous of people who are bilingual or who speak multiple languages. So if you can understand coding, you can understand tech, whatever the case is. And if you can speak another language, then you're, you're already more employable than most of people in the U.S. And then you're now just competing with people worldwide. Uh, ultimately, uh, communication across all channels is always going to be important. But if you have some of those hard skills that are hard to acquire and also the ability to translate it, um, me translating uh, complicated tech things to people where they can understand is one level of translation. Speaking code in Spanish is another translation. So just being able to communicate effectively in tech is definitely a valuable skill. Next, can we have audio production? So you and me know, Jason, um, great starting a podcast is a little nerve-wracking, but you can do it with your iPhone, right? You do it with your Android. Uh, but if you want to have good quality, if you want to have, you know, good engagement, you want to have, you know, everything related to having a good radio show, good podcast, uh, you're going to have to understand how to use tools like, you know, GarageBand or Logic Pro or whatever you use to help improve your audio. 
Um, and that's a skill that a lot of people, they want to start a podcast, but they don't have that skill. They'll hire you to do that. Yeah, I tell people all the time, like people ask me all the time, you like doing podcasts? I said, yes. The editing, uh, not so much, you know. Yeah. The editing can be a pain. If they for the first start out, I try, I try to take out every, I try to be perfect, right? I spent way, way too much time doing it. Yep. Yeah. And like, uh, ideally, like going back to like my goal for my podcast is get to a point where it's like I record and I just hand it over to a professional editor where I'm like, just make me sound good, cut it perfectly, throw in the music, intro, outro, advertisements, whatever. That, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. <laughs> now, what, what is scientific computing? Scientific computing, it's a little bit more related to like people who are in college, they're, they're probably thinking about like math lab or, you know, if we're talking about, uh, we're pretty much trying to solve complicated problems with computers. So that's in layman terms, scientific computing. So um, back when I was in college, it was just pretty much like uh, data analytics and using statistics to solve, like, is this scalable or is this not scalable? Now, scientific computing combination of AI is like, oh, is this not only scalable, what are some potential use cases we're not thinking of and how can it go wrong? Things of that nature. So when you, next, when you talk about game development, you're talking about esports, Twitch, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, game development, uh, it can go both ways. So building the games. So the pe- like think about the people who built Fortnite are now just living a life. And they created a whole community of gamers who not only are entering these contests, but are win- winning millions of dollars playing their game. That the sixteen year old one like three million dollars. Yeah, so like that is one side. Like you can build, you can be one of those people to help build a Fortnite. You can work at, you know, Blizzard or Bethesda or any of those big gaming companies. The other side of it, the esports is playing the game, right? So like you said, that sixteen year old. You know, it used to be a time where parents would tell you stop wasting your time playing those games. Now the dad of that kid who won the sixteen million or three, three million, he's like, no, I told my kid to keep playing because he's really really good. So is there a different skill set between building a mobile app and building a game app? Uh, yes. So they can kind of blend depending on how you're going about it. So uh, one of the very popular gaming engines is called Unity. And that is one where it can kind of help you create uh, your 3D modeling, understanding the rules and the game engine. Uh, what makes video game development so complicated is you have to build what's known as a game engine, pretty much the rules of the game. If it's like a Mario level world, is it 2D where you can go back and forth, or is it like Zelda was open source? But that kind of development is definitely unique. Where the mobile app is more about displaying data, getting data, calling APIs, and allowing you to make transactions in a manner that you couldn't before. So next on list is a, is a skill that is really not, most people don't think, might not think we should be on here, but social media marketing. And I think this is genius that you have this on your list, social media marketing. Yeah, social media marketing is super important. Um, that's one thing. Um, this is year two of my podcast and going into year three, I really want to take that to another level. But, you know, when I was in college, people were going on Facebook for entertainment, for fun. Now people are going for business and now there's all these social media management tools there's Hootsuite and Sendable and Later and there's specialties like oh I'm an Instagram social media marketer or I'm a LinkedIn or I know about Facebook ads so understanding how these social media platforms have turned their social media into a business in itself uh, that requires people to have the skill set to understand how that business works and how to leverage that to help their clients. Yes, I'm a big fan of later. I like it doing this them. One thing that drives me crazy, like you're talking to people and you say, like, I need a social media person. And they'll say, I do social media. And like, okay, what do you do? And they're like, oh, oh. and this year the Instagram. Like, how about what, what, is, what else? Well, I do social media, I do Instagram. I'm like, no, dude, it's like, it's more than Instagram. Yeah. Uh, it, it just drives me crazy. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like nowadays, um, like I'm, it's funny for a long time, like wasn't a huge fan of Pinterest, but I didn't realize, um, I think the numbers were like 67% of Pinterest users, uh, are women. And if you can get 20 to 30% of those women to look at a product that they're interested in, then like, I think the next five to 10% will actually buy the product. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I didn't even know Pinterest was like that. I thought people just posted pictures of things they liked, but people are using it to make sales. So. There's definitely an untapped market in social media. Definitely. Next on this is business analysis. And I think it's a very interesting one. Yeah, similar um, to what we talked about, like analytical reasoning, but 
when you work at a large organization or even a startup, right, you have limited funds, limited resources. So, you know, do we invest a million dollars in a cybersecurity program or do we invest a million dollars in our marketing program? Uh, you have to have some analytical skills to, you know, break down some numbers uh, and then ultimately come up with a decision that makes sense. And going back to what we said earlier, uh, the more numbers that you have behind you, then you can have better proof and better reasoning, like why you should make X decision. So I'll just subject a little bit, but of all the develops you've seen recently, what is one skill that you see they're lacking in? I would say I would like to see more people take a mentorship role. So I'm very fortunate because uh, I'm very non-traditional, if you didn't know, where you know, it took me a while to get my bachelor's, um, mainly due to financial reason. I couldn't pay for school all the time, but I started working full time. Well, I had mentors who were willing to give me a chance and say, hey, uh, keep your head down. I want you to get better at JavaScript. Or, hey, you know, I thought you did good work this week. I want you to improve this skill. Or when you're in a meeting like this, I want you to speak like you know what you're talking about. Don't question yourself. But I had mentors who helped me with that. And it's crazy. When you have good mentors, you're very appreciative. When you have bad mentors, you really appreciate your good ones. And, uh, I've, and I'm sure we've all worked with somebody where, you know, they, they kind of doubt you. They don't think you're good at whatever it is you do. And it's normally somebody senior and working with somebody junior. And what I would like to see more developers do is, try to really build up those kids who are junior to help get them better and get them to the next level. Next on the list is journalism. I'm guessing this on the list because I guess you're building a game app. You got to write a story to go along with the game app, correct? Yeah, writing is a very important skill. So whether it's for your app description, for your website, um, even for blogging, what blows my mind, Jason, is, you know, I've talked to a few people now and I'm like interested in myself, but they make hundreds of thousands of dollars per month blogging. And I'm like, what? How, how, like, uh, I have a friend named Bobby and him and his wife, they have a fitness blog. And he was a bodybuilder. She was a vegan. They got together and then started a WordPress blog. And all they do is creating content about stuff they knew, how to lose weight, how to be a vegan, things of that nature. Fast forward like two or three years later, and they're making anywhere from 50K to 100K per month off a blog. So, having those writing skills and journalism skills can pay off. That's a great story. And it's so I don't say it's easy to do that, but opportunities out there for people to do that. If you have some kind of skill expertise, you gotta, you gotta, you know, take advantage of it, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's just crazy. There's so much opportunity out there. A lot of people, um, and again, that goes back to the whole, the nine to five thing. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you want, you can grow, you can have great benefits. Um, you know, I doing it myself, like it's a phenomenal lifestyle to have, but it's not the only one to have. So Caleb, next you have digital marketing. Yeah, digital marketing, that kind of goes into the social media marketing, but you know, this is the idea that understanding which uh, mediums to go through, understanding how to create content, and then there's a lot of marketing automation, which I'm not an expert in, but there's a lot of tools, there's uh, click funnels, um, Google AdWords, Google SEO, growth hacking. There's a whole plethora of things related to marketing automation, which is really just the focus of trying to get a customer onto your site or product and trying to get them to buy something. And there's a lot of science behind how to do that in an efficient manner. Yeah, for there's a market, I follow this guy named Neil Patel and Eric Sue have a podcast called um, Market School. It's like a five to seven minute podcast every day that I'll follow. They give like excellent tips I really like to follow. Next, you have industrial design. So one of the things you have on here is Sketch. And I thought Sketch was like a UX design product. Yeah, so people can use Sketch for... Most people use it for UI, UX. But, uh, you know, going back to what I was talking about with Mixbotics, for example, uh, when you're building out an actual physical prototype, you need to understand how to design such prototype. You need to understand that this is going to go here and click into this piece right here. This is where the valves are going to go. This is where we're going to store the battery and all those types of technical details. You need to have some design skill. Now, Sketch is one of those tools. CAD is another one. But um, when you think of like building a robot, like what's that robot going to look like, Jason? How How's it going to operate? And you know, I would like to think of BB-8 from Star Wars, what somebody has to think like, oh, what's this robot going to be different? How is it going to be different in R2-D2? Somebody has to make that design. Sometimes it's on pen and paper, but eventually you need to get it into a computer and 
So it's showing, in theory, this is how it would work. So, Caleb, next, another skill that some people might not think should be on this list, but customer service systems. Yeah, customer service systems are definitely, there's a lot of opportunity in that area. So I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, I, I enjoy doing CrossFit, so I hope none of your listeners hate me for that. But um, one of the uh, one of my favorite apps is called Romwad, which is range of motion workout a day. Now, one day I log in and my account's having problems. And then they're like, go to support. Well, support was actually a person who was getting texted. Now, of course, doing his work, um, work hours, it was like nine to six or whatever. So he had like a, I will text you tomorrow. But it was really cool because the next day I felt like I was actually talking to somebody, continuing the conversation. I was like, that's really cool customer service. Uh, when I worked at my last job, um, at WebPT, which is one of the top startups in the world, um, they're super successful, not only for a plethora of reasons, but one of them being customer service. Anytime somebody had an issue, they would call, they were walking through it. So there's some systems um, like chat features, for example, that can help. Some people are so old school, like to call. I really, really hate the automated phone system, but that's where the customer service systems could be better, right? And I'm sure you experienced it yourself. So next you have data science. Uh, data science isn't going anywhere. Uh, really, to me, that, uh, data science is just coming down to the fact that you are looking at so much data. And I think data now is past oil as one of the most, um, valuable assets in the world. But, um, like Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, right? Having so much data on a user and being able to figure out ways to use data to persuade somebody to vote left or right, or to show the right advertisement at the right time to get somebody to buy. Um, that's where the, uh, data science really comes in. It's just aggregating all of this data and trying to make a decision. So the last one on the list, Caleb, is corporate communications. Now, should this be corporate communication or should this be communications in general? So I would say they're slightly different. And the reason I say that is sometimes corporate communications, you have to understand your audience, right? And I had, I had a little bit of experience with this at my last job, but you know we were doing really good work with the mom and pops and the smaller shops. But the second we started talking to enterprise level clients, they were like, "Do you have your ISO twenty seven oh you know twenty seven hundred oh one? And you know, do you have uh, certification proving that you are safe, that you're secure, that you're PCI compliant?" And when you're working with an enterprise or a corporation, you need to not only understand if everything goes south, how it can look for them, you want to understand how can you better appease these type of clients. So, and also you have to understand corporations, like you're not talking to the CEO and he's going to make a quick decision. You might be talking to several parties and understanding you have to get several people to buy in before they buy your product. So Caleb, um, there's a lot of people out there who have no tech experience, no development skills and they're starting companies and they only get so far without, without the tech piece. How do you recommend them to find the tech talent to help them build a product? So I would like to encourage people to do as much as you can by yourself because it's going to be way more valuable down the line. And then once you hit into a roadblock, you could always reach out to me, people on tech, uh, King Caleb three on Twitter. Uh, if you are looking to hire somebody, uh, I would probably consult with a few of your most technical friends if possible. Uh, and then you can always go on something like Fiverr Pro or Fiverr itself or Upwork and just pretty much post what you're trying to accomplish. And then try to get a few different quotes because the one thing I see a lot of is people who aren't technical, they want to do something, they want to build an idea. To, and then somebody's like, yeah, I'll do that for $10,000. And you're like, well, let me talk to five other people and see if they're doing around the same price or cheaper and see what they offer. And just making sure like you do your due diligence. That's the best advice I can give. So how does someone like know if someone like they, they go to Fiverr, Upwork or AngelList and they find like five people to go through? How, how can they really tell if they know if they really know what they're saying? Like, you know, is there a way to do that? Or is this pretty much you got to hopefully have a tech advisor you can go through and, and run it through them? So I'm happy you brought that up. It's actually a very common issue. So I'm working on and I'm going to be launching it soon. I'm working on an ebook about top 10 things you need to ask before you hire a developer. And some of those items or you want to see a portfolio. You want to see what their existing work is. Uh, you want to have, let's say, a lot of times when I see people have an idea, 
they see something and they're like, I want to be like this, but maybe different color, different flow. Um, I always encourage people to try to visualize what, whether it's an app or a game, like draw it on a piece of paper. And when you're working with that developer, see if they can understand your vision. Uh, don't be afraid to get off of the chat and get on like a live call or a phone call and see if you can talk it through. One of the most important things when it comes to that stuff, Jason, is this communication. If the person you're working with, like you feel like you can't understand them and they can't understand you, it's probably not a good fit. But really, you just want to see what their portfolio is. You want to see if their work in the past matches up with what you want to do in the future and then really start from there. So I feel like a lot of, it's like a lot of developers are working in the U.S. are like, you know, anywhere from fifty to hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars an hour. And then, you know, like the Ukraine pulling in you like maybe ten, twenty dollars an hour. I'm sure each one has pros and cons, right? Yeah. And I always like to encourage people try to have the project. And so I, I've never really liked the idea that let me hire somebody for X hours to work for me because I've seen some people, you know, be very, very professional and they say, Hey, I worked six hours and you know, this is my rate and this is what I was able to do in six hours. Um, I always like to negotiate and be like, here's the project I want to do. Let's break it up in five milestones. Milestone one, I can log in with Facebook and Google and I can buy a product. Milestone two, you know, I can do maybe chat functionality or whatever. That way you can kind of set precedent and then it kind of puts a little bit more emphasis on who you're hiring to be more accurate with their price because things are going to come up, but you want them to really do their due diligence because they're going to be the expert helping you to make your business or app a reality. Yeah, one thing I you said, I think most people don't realize how long it actually takes. You know, you might have your mind, this is a simple app, you know, one, two, three is done. You're not realizing that all the code goes to it. You know, if there's, if, if you put a comma instead of a period or extra space, you know, it's, it's not as easy as you think it is. Yeah, definitely not. I always like to tell people, if you have an app idea, let's say if it is simple, minimum six to nine months. If it's something decent, but a little complicated, you're definitely talking a year because let's say you have to one, build the app. You know, you have to make sure you're promoting and marketing it. You got to get people to use it and I guarantee you when they start using it, you're going to start running into uh, issues you didn't even think of. And then if you want to make it a business, then that's a whole another uh, battle where now it's like, well, do I get investors or do I get somebody to fund me internally or do I grow this organically? Like there's a lot of things that go into it. Exactly. Because if you just build a product and no marketing, no one's going to buy it. But if you do the marketing and there's no product, you know, it's like it's a chicken egg thing. It's like there's no right answer. Yeah. And investors, like, they want you to have like traction. You can't get no traction on the money. It's just, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I would like to recommend to people, like, get started on something. Uh, don't be scared to fail. Uh, I've probably tried three or four different apps and all of them haven't gone exactly how I wanted to go, but God, did I grow a lot doing those things. And now I have people going through it themselves and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, do you, have you done idea validation? And they're like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. But one of my favorite resources is a startups.com. Um, they have a plethora of information helping you like when do I hire a founder and hire a tech person? When do I fire a founder? And you know, how do I do idea validation and how do I know my ideas are making money? So how's the startup scene in the um, Phoenix area? You know, it's growing surprisingly downtown Phoenix has a lot of cool companies. Um, And then we have a very supportive community. I would say, you know, we're not Silicon Valley. We're not, you know, New York or LA, but we have a lot of creative people who are trying to do a lot of cool things. Um, so if you are in the Phoenix Valley, um, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, and then also there's a lot of cool, uh, networking groups. There's just Phoenix, which is probably my favorite one. There's startup week in downtown Phoenix. And it's really just, if you have an idea, if you have a prototype, get it out there, start talking to people, start getting advice because this is a one, one of the few communities where people are willing to help you. But without having, you know, some second second agenda behind her, behind your back. You know what I mean? Caleb, can you tell people how to reach out to you on social media and how to find your podcast? Sure. Uh, so best way, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can Caleb King. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, King Caleb 3 uh, The podcast is pretty much on every available platform out there. Uh, people in tech, just do a search. You can go to our website peopleintech.us and yeah, I'm available. If you have questions, concerns, you, you have an idea, don't know where to get started, 
Um, I do quick consulting, um, depending on how it is and where you're at, like maybe we'll help you get on the right track or point you in a direction to get you started. So yeah, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. And we'll have the links to all those social media platforms and podcasts on our show notes and the show notes are at www.cabinetshlblog.com. So Kelly, we're coming in with talk. Can you provide us any wisdom or advice on any subject you want to talk about? Um, you know, really, I just want to uh, say thank you for having me on the show, Jason. Um, you know, I've been wanting to do a live stream uh, for a very long time. So I think this one was really, really awesome. So thanks for showing me the ropes. And really, my advice for anybody out there is uh, technology the tool to solve problems. So, you know, if you look at companies like Airbnb, you know, they're the biggest hotel company with no hotels. Uber, biggest taxi service, but no taxi drivers. So if you can solve some global problem, then you probably have a good idea. And I would say pursue that and don't let anything stop you. And one thing I added to that, Caleb, like, and, and you tell me if you disagree, but to me, I think tech really doesn't, um, is really anything new. It just improves, right? For example, Snapchat, you know, you send a message and it disappears, like, in however long it is. When you think about it back in the day, you're in a classroom, you were sending paper messages to each other. You read the message, you tear it up, right? Isn't that yep. all Snapchat is doing? I mean, yeah, no, it's, not, uh, it's not really doing anything new. It's just making it better. And this stuff's how I think it's doing. No, I, I totally agree. A lot of um, people think you have to have some revolutionary idea. Like, let's look at Facebook. They have 2 billion users, right? All Facebook really does is allow you to stay connected with somebody without having to be in their lives every single day. You know, before Facebook, if you want to stay connected with somebody, you have to call them, pen pal, and they just made it easier to say, hey, is that person getting married? Oh, they had a kid. Let me like that post and picture or whatever. Um, so just looking at those things and just understanding that there's problems out there to be solved. So if you have a solution, go for it. Yes. Caleb, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. And thank you uh, for listeners tuning in. And yeah, I had a great time. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinets HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinets HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinets HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to Jason Kavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.